Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorce mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Today, the Queensland government has followed other states in agreeing to bring in uh, and making coercive control illegal in Queensland, and we're very excited about that. Um, And there's a lot of celebration because a lot of hard work has gone into this. So today, we're going to be touching on how the laws changing may affect your current case and how the laws changing may affect your your way forward through the domestic violence family courts of Australia. Mm. Mum. Thank you for coming. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and it, it's a it's a good day to have these laws and the changes uh, from the inquiry. They're taking the Queensland government is taking on all the recommendations, which is really great news. It is. It is. Yes. And I think uh, there's a lot of advocates out there, like Hannah's mother and father, yeah. who working hard to get this through, as 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 well as Alison Baden Clay's family in Queensland as well. So yeah. I think thanks to all the efforts of those families and everybody who listens, who makes makes some noise about this, I think we can all make some change. And Mum, yeah. I think it's very exciting. And I was wondering if we could talk about what the current law is now mm. and the current situation yep. and then what the laws might be in the future and how that's going to change things. And then on top of that, um, just some basics. I know we've covered many episodes on DV, but really if someone's listening who wants to get a protection order in place, what are the things they need to prove and show in court to get that protection order? Mm. And keeping in mind that all the laws are different in each state, unfortunately, which mum and I now are starting to think it should definitely be a national national response, yeah. Response, not individual states. hmm. But yes, and and also if you're listening in the USA currently, as far as we're aware, there's no uh, coercive control laws yet. But I believe that's been worked on too by advocacy groups as well. Yep, and the UK, um, well, in UK they criminalised coercive control of behaviours in 2015. Uh, Go UK. We'll be able to have a look at them. Um, Yes. It's a bit sad because in Britain they say that there was a lack of understanding by the police um, coupled with sort of practical difficulties in proving it. But, you Mm. know, um, Jess Hill, who's our, we're her fans, (laughs) who wrote See What You Made Me Do, uh, she said, uh, she made a good point. She made the point that it isn't isn't that hard to prove coercive control because it's one behaviour that continues after separation through uh, through uh, internet, you know, phone stalking. Um, I don't know, maybe multiple court applications, or whatever. So that it's a continuing offence. Whereas mm-hmm. physical violence, once you've removed yourself from that environment, is historical. And, and can be hard to prove. So, yeah. And, and I see in Queensland, I'm probably hopping all over the place, Laura, but just be looking at that UK experience, uh, Queensland, um, Anastasia Palaszczuk is going to um, create a, three, a $363 million package. Can anyone say election time coming? <laughs> um, but she's also going to have a commission of inquiry as to about how the police handle and respond to domestic violence matters. And I know Mm. a lot of our listeners uh, 
have their own stories of the mm. difficulty in trying to get the police to take you seriously. And and um, that Miss Langdon, she'd been to the police so many times um, mm. and then, you know, he, he well, burned her house down and killed her. That's that's the thing I've noticed, uh, particularly on TikTok, where people are a little bit freer with their stories. Um, you know, I posted one at uh, TikTok on how, how you described what to do if a police officer won't take your statement. Yes. And it was take their badge number, ask to speak to a superior, uh, be insistent and return again if you have to. Um, and so many people from the whole way around the world just had the same experiences over and over again of not being taken seriously. And unfortunately, some of them end up damaged or badly hurt or even dead. And so I think that I think this inquiry into the police is a great idea mm. um, because I think something needs to change yes. around the entire world, to be fair. Yes. Be fair. Well, it's a slow, I mean, I'm very, I'm older, much older, and I can remember the days where uh, before actually the implementation of the domestic violence laws in Queensland and before it was in the Family Law Act in, in Australia, um, and in those days uh, the police had a standard saying, like, if it's a domestic matter, they don't get involved. Mm. Uh, and, and then it graduated to, well, where are the bruises, you know, if there's no DV. And, and I think um, even in this last 12 months I've had someone report to me that it was uh, that he said, well, where are the bruises? If he didn't hit you, it's not DV. So we really. really as yes. recently as, yes. oh, my goodness. So <sighs> we, we need to educate everybody. Um, yes. But also um, this this movement, apart from the Commission of Inquiry, where you guys can all make your submissions um, mm. from Queensland, uh, she's got, they are bringing in an idea, which might be revolutionary, of a combined coordinated response between our DV uh, services and the police. Because mm. I think in Queensland um, the uh, uh, 1-800-RESPECT is, does a lot of good work you know, yeah, and and you, yeah. you are, it's possible you'll hear so much support from those people, and then when you go to the police, that support's gone, and they yeah. don't believe you, and you're on your own. Mm. Um, you know, and and yeah. that service doesn't last; it only goes for what is it the first six months or is it three to six months yes Yes. there's not enough funding to help people pass that crisis stage Mm. um so mum the current laws now for coercive control Mm. so we've just established pretty much most places that there aren't any laws at the moment but Mm. you did mention to me that coercive control is mentioned in the domestic violence yeah it's it's mentioned in the family court as well in the family law as well so a definition of family violence now includes the stuff you'd think, which is assault, sexual assault. Uh, it includes, though, stalking, um, and it also talks about things which, by definition, are coercive control, uh, withholding financial support, preventing them from keeping connections with their family, depriving them of their liberty, um, and so <clears throat> it, it includes that coercive type of thing, but it's not very clear. Do you know? Mm. It's not very mm. clear. And and we all know, I think coercive control more than anything else is a pattern. It's not a single incident. It's a pattern. So that's in the family court um, legislation. In the state laws, uh, they do talk about it as well, and they use the word coercion. So 
uh, in Queensland at least, Section 8 talks about that. And it talks about uh, physical or sexually abusive, that's domestic violence, emotional or psychological abu abusive, economically abusive, threatening, or is coercive, um, or any other way controls or dominates. But those are sections that's very hard to establish for a person. If you go into a police station and there's been an incident, you can give a date and a time. If you've got just a pattern, like he didn't give me grocery money or he's cut me out of the health fund or he's mm. sitting outside my house every night, uh, they're going to go, well, where's the harm in that? It, it's the it's the lead up. Um, it's that sort of extended happening, and that's why we insist that they take our statements because to prove coercive control, you have to prove the pattern, mm. and those police have to write down these things, so they need to be educated. So if our listeners are listening today, as we've banged on about it a million times, <laughs> as embarrassing as it might seem oh. because they might minimise it and say to you, well, that's no big deal. I know someone who um, they get constant abuse via text message um, mm. and that, you know, they, they're, they're like they go to the police and the police say, well, it's just a text message. It's no big deal. But when you're getting 70 a week after midnight, it's, it right. is a big deal. Yeah. So you have to keep advocating for that if if your partner or your ex-partner maybe you're not fully divorced yet is withholding all the money from you and you're living on tin food you you need to go and report it and say look this is a part of the coercive control yeah. this is happening to me and and I think if we all have to step back and realize yes like I've said to some of the people that I know it can be it can feel silly saying it but when you describe it and show the whole pattern and you have all your police reports put together that's when a judge who is educated in this would be able to say I can see a pattern I can and see that's yeah technically the only real way I can think of to prove that isn't it really much it is and sometimes I think coercive control you've got to You've got to convince yourself that it is before you yeah. can go and convince anyone else. And all these niggledy little annoying things like cutting your clothes up or, or um, you know, not letting you wear this lipstick or taking the keys to the car, checking your phone, um, you might not be sure whether that's coercive control because often they'll confuse when you're still together at least. It, it can be seen as that he loves you you know, or mm. she loves you. So you need mm. to write down the things that happen. And it's only then in the cold, hard light of day, you might put eight or nine things where it's, it's he's impacted on your life in a day. And then you think, okay, this is actually starting to be what they call mm. coercive control. Then you can start making your reports to the police. You know, a good test is because I, I know that Hannah Clark's mum has talked about how mm. she wasn't allowed to wear her bikini from the beach to the car. That was a strict, <sighs> strict rule. Um, and she wasn't allowed to have her own Facebook account. They had to have a joint one. And he did it under the disguise apparently of, you know, we'll, we'll wear one person basically. Mm. Um, so it's little things like that that perhaps she might not have told anyone about. Maybe the mum noticed it. But it's, mm. if, if you are being told that there's rules placed on you that you don't particularly like but you have to follow these rules and 
you wouldn't yeah. want to tell your friends about it at a cafe. Mm. Oh, my husband says, or my ex used to say, I, I can't do this unless mm. I've done this first. It's probably a good indication that it is some sort of control because you you're a little bit embarrassed to tell anyone. Oh, that's he cuts true. up my clothes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. if you've separated your fierce friends who probably dropped off during your relationship, your fierce sister friends, um, because uh, he wouldn't have wanted them around, and they didn't mm. like seeing you being. They'll soon tell you um, if what they saw was him changing your behaviour or you changing your behaviour. And the use of the word rules, no one, I mean, as as your grandma used to say, who died and made him boss? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yes. You, you really, there shouldn't be rules. You're not one of the children. And, yes. and I, I, think, I think stronger yeah, it, women, strong people, Give in to the little demands of the of the of the person just to keep the peace. That's oh, no biggie. I can just put a t shirt on and I'll go to the car. Who cares? You know, I, yes. it's it's not worth fighting over. And I think uh, we've got. I've got some friends who've got friends who are going through this kind of situation, mm. and they and domestic violence just in general, not just coercive control, the whole situation, and they're getting really frustrated and saying to me. I'm telling them it's domestic violence. They know it's domestic violence. They were going to leave and then they've stopped. They're not doing it now. And and they're getting frustrated and angry. And it's the same with us, like my Nana saying, who died and made him boss. But yeah. I think if it's slowly built up over time, I think no matter how strong a person you are, um, if you have a large capacity to love, and I've seen it in women and men, where they just go, well, I love them, so I'll do it. Oh, I love them. But then the rules get harder and stricter and bigger and bigger over time. So 10 years down the track, your rules that you might have given in to keep the peace or because you love them so much have turned into your jail cell. And that's an invisible jail cell that nobody mm. can see. So if your friend is going through it and you're banging your head against the wall going, why won't she leave? Why won't he get out? It's because they're literally trapped in a prison cell they've created with their Unknowingly. abusive ex yeah. without realising it. And it is, it's, it's a psychological barrier that they have to step through and it is incredibly hard to do and that's why they say it takes four or five times for someone to leave because they're mm. trapped in it in their minds as well as in reality and and look at all the pressures to make that kind of will work on a, a, a loving person to make mm. them stay there's the kids if you're married or in a committed relationship it's that idea of breaking those vows or stepping out of that commitment there's the commercial uh sort of uh kerfuffle that happens after you know the financial disputes and the and the how are you going to afford it and where am I going to go just disruptions in where you go to bed at night and get up mm. in the morning and I've and heard of other people um where they're they're not from Australia and oh, they're living yeah. and they're worried that if they do leave and they've been told if they leave that they can't stay. Lose their visa. They're going to lose their visa. There's, so that's another. There's some help about that in Australia. Uh, okay, can, what's that, Mum? Uh, well, I don't know it exactly for every okay. state, but I think if you go to the passport, um, there's an exemption there. And if you have a domestic violence situation and it's going to result in you being made to leave the country, uh, they will help you. 
Okay. Brilliant. So bring okay. up um, the foreign affairs and, and ask. Okay. So, Laura, yes, little, you're right. Those, so there's all those pressures. And what will the family say? What will everyone say? And there's having to admit that you've been a bit of a goose in a way because you fell for this sort of coercive control. I guess you, but, have, to, hey, you have to just admit it, yeah. I've been there, you know, yeah. I've been there. Um, I wasn't allowed to go to my church. I used to go to church. I wasn't allowed to go to my church. I had to go to a different church with another mm. woman or I wasn't allowed to go. Why allowed to? Rules? You mm. know, I should have mm. been out of there. <laughs> should yes. have been out so, of there. So if anyone is listening right now, because we want to talk about how this law may change things, mm. um, and if they have realised, you know, I am in a coercive control relationship or I'm just in a domestic violence relationship, mm. um, what kind of, like we've said, reporting it to the police, what other things can mm. they do to prove it in a court of law? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, once you've accepted it, Stevie, you can leave. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. You just go. But mm. then there's this taking it very seriously. Um, and it's the it's the corollary of the, what the police and most people would regard as non-serious behaviour, like annoying little things, like put your T-shirt on while you walk to the car, um, Actually, those little behaviours lead, as we saw with, with darling Hannah and her children, to the worst outcomes. So it's it's kind of a, a misfit, do you know? Mm. Uh, and so I have to say, uh, I tell my people in those situations to make, don't go to your mum's, go somewhere. If you can possibly afford it, get out of town, go somewhere else safe. Uh, yeah. And I don't think the police have the resources to protect someone who's vulnerable um, in that way. I mean, mm. they may be better educated. Um, there is a suggestion that in Queensland, at least, uh, the prison term, I think, is going to be about 12 years, but there's a long time to get that established and proven. And in the meantime, if you've got someone like that, you're at risk, you yeah. know. So yeah. I think it's at the end of the day, the domestic violence uh, order or uh, protection order is still just a piece of paper. And if you've got someone who is not usually law-abiding, mm. then you're relying on the police to operate quickly on the domestic violence um, order, order. And um, that that's, can be risky, as we've seen. I, I welcome so, the, the, the retraining of, of the police. Um, yeah. I do welcome that. Uh, but I think this is going to be a slow improvement and it'll probably manifest itself in our, our my grandchildren um, mm. and their children um, because in my mother's day, your grandma's day, it was a domestic matter and the police wouldn't get involved. And it was inherently um, kind of accepted that a man could beat his wife. Jeesh kebabs. We're a long way from there now. No matter how yeah. much in love with someone, you know if they raise a hand to you, then mm. that is not okay. What we don't realise is that is not the only way they can hurt you. And this controlling what you eat, what you wear, where you go, who your friends are, where you see your family, how much money you can have, uh, how much well, petrol's in the car, are they going to let you do anything? That's the one thing that we have a lot of people reaching out asking about, and that's financial abuse, mm. so coercive control through financial. So um, a lady the other day wrote in and said that her ex um, 
has taken all the money and he's got a lawyer and she's got no money and she does she doesn't know what to do but he's trying to say well you can come back so I think you've talked about in the past month there's the one for one dollar yes there's a lot of ways I I was like champing at the bit to help that lady when you told me that because yes um the court acts quite quickly if there's money anywhere you bring an application, just get yourself before a judge and ask for some money to get a lawyer and fund your case. Some lawyers will bring that application for you in the first instance and wait for their money and then mm-hmm. you get what's called an interim property settlement and it creates a level playing field for everyone and that means you can have a lawyer as well. And at, again, this person's trying to get her to come, her ex is trying to get her to come home against her will and coercion um, one of the ways of, of describing it is making someone do something they don't want to do. Uh, yes. That's a family law. It's the coerce. A person means compel or force someone or to do or refrain from doing something. Mm. Um, and she doesn't. It's, it could be better, I think. Yes, section, very but, general. But, so, but if yes, there are so people she, out there that are holding back, they. Mm. Their ex has taken all the money. They're incredibly mm. wealthy, or even they're not incredibly wealthy, but their ex has taken all the money, um, and they're too scared to go and see a lawyer because they can't afford it. They could what say to the lawyer, "There's plenty of money in my relationship. Yep, I just need to get some." Yep. And that's something that I think doesn't get across, and I want it to get across mm. desperately. And I want to do an episode on things I wish everyone knew. <laughs> yeah. But the main thing is because it's a question that's asked so many times. Mm. My husband has all the money he's really wealthy I've got nothing if I leave I've got nothing and that's not the case so the money gets shared you you are not going to be left penniless but you have to put your hand up and get some help and say hey help me out please and you have to call bs on their um kind of attitude that it's their money and they can mm. give it to you or not give it to you, it, it's joint money. You know, um, your lawyer, if you go and see a lawyer, they'll give you a rough idea what you're entitled to. They'll make the application. Yeah. So, and, and you can say to the lawyer, that I know how much money's there. Like, we live this lifestyle. We have this house. So, you yeah. know, we can afford this. Um, can And the lawyer should, like mum said, be able to make an application for you or you could even do it yourself uh, to get in front of the judge and ask for it to be shared so that you can get some legal representation and I think that's that stops that financial abuse it does and also don't forget if you haven't got money for lawyers you may not even have money to move out of your mum's place or wherever you happen to be so you can ask for extra money for all of that I don't want anyone though to fall into the trap that a coercive controlling person always wants to don't worry I I agree I will pay your phone bill I will pay your health insurance I will pay this no you don't want them paying your bills. You want your money so you can live your life. And remember, the stats show um, it's the in the early stages of separation that people are most at risk. So take some of that money and go and find somewhere else to stay, you know. Yeah. I know it's hard, um, you know, that in, with Hannah, he knew she'd be taking the kids to school. He knew her movements. Um, mm. I think the world has to realise how how dangerous those early stages are and make the safety of the women and the children a priority rather than stick into routine. And, look, and I, and I don't want to scaremonger uh, to mm. anyone who is listening, but, you know, at the moment, like Mum said, the police are not fully resourced for this. So if mm. you have a sense 
that you are in danger, that it is a heightened time, then call the police, let them know that you're worried. Call, you know, 1-800-RESPECT. Call Brisbane Domestic Violence Services. Make an action plan. Make a safety plan. And don't be predictable. Just go and don't be predictable. Because if you've made a mistake and everything's fine, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you don't do a little bit of precaution in this high controlling situation, Mm. then it does, it could be a regret that you make. And we're not saying everyone run away and pack bags, but, you know, Mm. you can think outside the box. Maybe go stay with someone that you don't usually stay with, you know, just think outside the box. And like mum said, the danger time is only really mainly just after leaving. Yes. Well, they get to grips with it all, I think, the other side gets to grips. I think that one of the things that happens in a coercive controlling relationship, and coercion does include gaslighting, the task force found that, Mm. Um, and you will probably have been told that you're overreacting, that you imagined it. They'll do something and you go, hang on, and they go, oh, you're just overreacting. I I was only joking. I didn't mean that. And so you're programmed to doubt the evidence of your own eyes and the evidence of your own heart and and to doubt your own feelings. So if you're absolutely terrified, don't let anybody tell you that you're overreacting. Um, Mm. You know, follow your gut. You know this person. You lived with them. Well, that's the thing as well. If you have been in a coercive relationship for a long time, there probably nobody else is really going to know what has been going on or to the extent that you and, – and maybe after many years of therapy you'll be able to share that with people, but not in mm. the original beginning stages. You might not even know the extent, you know, until yep. you have had a reality check and gone out into the real world and perhaps gone, oh, this is what it's supposed to be well, like. But, but, but also if you're in a relationship where there's all these pressures and things, um, there's two reasons people don't tell anyone else. One is uh, that they know, you know, that if you tell, you know, that fierce friend or whoever it is that's that's really strong around you, they're going to pressure you to leave and you're, you don't want to leave because of all the reasons that I said before, you know. So that's one reason. And another reason is that you're humiliated and embarrassed um, and you don't want to say that, anything to anyone. So when you do ultimately leave, a person who exercises coercive control will run to your parents, run to your friends and try to enrol them and and enlist them in the coercive control to make you come back to them. And then when you tell your parents um, or your friends about it, they go, well, you didn't say anything about it during the time. You know, you're sure you're not overreacting? And Mm. your friends have an investment in the whole thing, you two staying a couple. Maybe you go camping together. Maybe uh, maybe your parents paid a lot for the wedding and there's pressure. Like, so everyone wants, they they like, they're happily married. Remember that? That's a phrase. Oh, she's happily married and then that's, their their raising of you is done. They put you in that little yeah. pigeonhole. Tick. She's yeah. happily married. Tick. I'm mm-hmm. a successful parent. Tick. And and yeah. I've had people brag. Oh, there's no divorce in my family. And mm-hmm. I often think, well, what hell are some people maybe going through? 
sorry to interrupt this episode, but we have a really important announcement that very well might just help you out. Are you feeling confused, lost, scared, and overwhelmed by the family law legal jargon and processes? Join the club. Now it's your chance to empower, educate, and equip yourself with the legal know-how and tools you need to get divorced and finally settle. Introducing the DIY Divorce Blueprint, created lovingly by Mum and Me. We've downloaded Mum's Brains into 42 video lessons, along with over 100 templates and worksheets that you can use to create and settle your property and children's matters. Follow our guide and steps and templates to get yourself finally settled in divorce. Use it as a guide with your lawyer or without, but hopefully using this DIY Divorce Blueprint, you can stay out of court and you can get it settled and sorted at a fraction of the price. Click the link in the show notes to find out more or go to thedivorcecourse.com.au backslash enroll. See you then. And, and yeah. I've had people brag, oh, there's no divorce in my family. And mm. I often think, well, what hell are some people maybe going through? Yes. Yeah. Mm. And maybe they don't want to tell their family or their friends no. because they, if they decide to stay with that person, then they've got to live with the awkwardness of knowing that their mother or their father or their best friends won't want a bar of partner anymore or you're right if, if you do make up because they'll be like why are you going back to that person that makes Too no right. sense so Too i think right. a lot of victims yep. just don't say anything because they know if they do they know what the answer is and they know what their friends and family are going to say and they so don't, they don't want say to hear anything. it yes. yeah and and yeah. i have been um uh, privy to some counseling sessions where uh two people in the room left when the count when the, like it's group therapy and when the therapist said um you know what the problem is. You just don't want to face it. And mm. if you don't want to face it, I can't help you. And they just left. But mm. I think that's part of that long goodbye we talk about, Laura, yes. where yep. it takes a while. I yes. did a little YouTube a while back about supporting women who've stayed because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to abandon them. Even That's if they're right. not very nice to you, they're not returning calls or they can't talk to you when the husband's home, whatever, mm. uh, you still need to be there as a gentle sort of safety net yes. when they're ready to jump. Yes. And I have I have heard some really strong ladies at the moment helping some women uh, by setting up another bank account in a different name getting some things ready. You know, we have a checklist mm. that you can download and use uh, for your friends or for yourself mm. to start Anyone, gathering please. your data ready yep. uh, and keeping it another person's house. You don't you don't have to be ready to leave, leave, but you can start setting up that safety net um, of having that extra cash in a bank account in case you need to get out urgently. And mm. uh, like just being ready, having a photocopy of your passports and the mm. information about bank account details because ultimately once you leave, yes, you are going to end up having to go through property settlement and children's settlement and all mm. of that. Now that, Mum, brings me to the next part of that. What is the family court's view on coercive control and children's orders? It's complicated. Um, the the children children's uh, primary objective of children's orders is that the children love be cared for by both parents, and yes. uh, that uh, the children be protected from physical and psychological harm. And we all know coercive control causes psychological harm, uh, and being involved in family violence or or having family violence in the home 
is psychological harm. So there's a tension between those two rights that the children have, to be safe but to see both parents. Uh, the law was amended in 2012 to add a little third sort of rider on that, and that says that if those two points are evenly balanced, that the kid, you know, the child really wants to keep seeing mum or dad or whatever, um, but doing so gives them psychological causes, psychological harm, then the court must always prefer the option that protects the child from harm, right? And so I would think uh, when coercion, coercive control is properly recognised, the courts won't be forcing children to go and see the father, usually the father, in those very early worrying stages of, mm. of a separation, but protect the child and protect the child by protecting the mother as well. And I'm sorry this is so gender biased, um, and I know there are men out there who've been through trouble, uh, the same domestic violence. So uh, this applies to you as well. Um, but I think the court doesn't put enough emphasis on the psychological harm caused by uh, coercive control. And it's not their fault. The judges um, are training about a domestic violence, family violence, and I dare say more about coercive control. But they rely heavily on social workers because they only see your statements, your affidavits in the court that were probably written by a lawyer and it's there's no evidence, especially in those early stages, over who's doing what, uh, and they're not psychologists. Or, so they send you off to a family family report writer or a so, so, psychologist, social worker, to and get some guidance. And only in the last, say, 12 months, I have seen family reports come in where the people, they are naming the coercive control. And it is in a very subtle thing. And because sometimes the reaction to coercive control, because it's subtle, um, can seem like an overreaction to the general public. And I'm just thinking about Amber Heard and and that... Um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, do you know? The public, I, I can't watch it, to be honest. But, but her, re her reactions, to the little bit I know, um, her actions can be seen as DV. His actions can be seen as domestic violence too. And yes. each of them can be, in a way, be said to be reacting to threats, I suppose. But I haven't watched it all. But, I mean, you can see how tricky it is because mm. you, a lot of the, of the world is watching every step of that trial. How on mm. earth do you know where the truth lies? Uh, mind you, um, our darling clients and, my, and our listeners wouldn't be hitting or doing any of the other things that um, no. perhaps they could be accused of. But it's really hard. So it just the court has to pay a lot more attention, I think, to the psychological issues. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and there's an a elephant in the room, and that is that financially the more you have a child, the more child support you get or yes. pay, right? Yes. And yeah. there is, I reckon I've seen a correlation between child support and the since uh, child support act came in in 1989 the um the idea of equal time with the parents and and a presumption of equal shared parental responsibility that came in in 2006 and the combination of those two things have made i think for many many more applications seeking 50-50, exactly half, you know, where where a lot of people are surprised that this person even knows about the children or, you know, that they've been mm. awful to the children. 
but I think it's driven sometimes by money and a desire to control and stay yeah. in your life, stay in a person's life. So I think the court or the law's got some work to do in unpicking how coercive control plays out in um, co-parenting, really. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think you're right, Ma. I think there's a lot, we all know there's a lot of changes that need to happen and hopefully mm. this is the first step um, for Queensland at least with the I coercive did a little dance. Laws. I did yes. a little happy dance, <laughs> yes, because... Yes. You know, yeah. uh, and, and particularly into the inquiry, our police do a wonderful job. But yes, this is an area where not you, the senior people in the force may be the older people who mm. may be trained under that old system I talked about, you yeah. know, and yeah. it's harder for them. Yeah, and look, if, if people have been in coercive control and taken them years to realise wait, this mm. is coercive control, I, I don't actually want to be doing this, I'm being forced to, but somehow I think it's, you know, okay. Peace uh, at any price. Peace yes, at any price. perhaps police, you know, they need to have some education in that because the psychologist or a psychiatrist have got a, like four-year degrees, ten-year degrees. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the police, as lovely as they are most of the time, yes, I believe that there does need to still be some changes and some education and maybe some more support for them more staff, more money. Um, Well, I'm worried because in Queensland they're talking about working out the collaborative response, but then they're saying there'll be uh, police and specialists, domestic and family violence workers working together in a number of locations. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody's job who's listening, if you are in a situation yourself, uh, take it to heart that perhaps maybe, you know, the ride's going to be smoother for you. There's more support in the domestic violence court suggested. Mm. There's um, going to be some sweeping changes. So I think that's a positive. And, Mum, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. And uh, we actually have had some people sending in some reviews and we are going to choose one of those people today as a thank you and they get to have a quick uh well not a quick a 30 minute chat with (laughs) mum even if you've got a lawyer it's a second opinion and um you can yeah ask mum any questions yeah no string okay so to the person who wrote us a review Uh, They've said, thank you for being a calm and reassuring voice as I've negotiated my divorce. Your content is amazing. So there you go, (laughs) mum. And that is from SA Divorce. And that was on the 25th of the 4th, 2022. So if you are the person who wrote SA Divorce, send us an email to the divorce course podcast at gmail.com and we'll be able to arrange that free chat with mum. And if you'd like to leave a review yourself, please feel free uh, for the Apple reviews and we will be choosing a new person to have a chat with mum next month. And uh-huh. thank you, mum, so much for your chat. Uh, and thank you, everyone, it's for okay. listening today. And hopefully, we'll see some positive changes moving forward. And if you would like to listen, we've got plenty of episodes on DV and how to with DV, so check them out. I'll put them in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yes, Ma? I was just going to say one of the interesting things to come out of this, and this is Hannah Clark's dad said, all the pieces for the puzzle are together now, but now we have to focus on raising children who understand that it's not okay to bully or control other people. And, and have them recognise it if, if it's being done to them and see it in themselves. 
So, so you know, true. we've all got jobs to do, any of us with children, grandchildren. Let's, yeah. let's do that for the next generation. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only, and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording. 